Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here in person by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? We are back today to cover Kyrie Irving's season in review this past year for the Dallas Mavericks, of course, the 2022-2023 season. We won't be going over the entirety of a season when he played for the Brooklyn Nets, of course, but, you know, those last 30-so or odd games, we will be uh, getting over. Kyrie will be rounding out all of our um, player season in reviews for this uh, past year. And then we'll be moving on to draft profiles, which we have a few of those cranked out uh, coming tomorrow. So grinding out some content, of course, as the draft is on the horizon. We have uh, big plans for the draft, Jaren. You want to inform everybody? Uh, yeah, we're, I, I mean, we are planning on doing a live stream. That'll be our first ever live stream, I do believe. Uh, we had one more attempt at that at last year's draft, but that didn't go too well. And of course, we hadn't had a page really built up. So yeah. uh, this will be our first real attempt. And uh, I hope you guys tune in. And I'm glad that we're saying this on the intro. That way mm-hmm. we might get some of y'all in, in uh in and watching that and uh yeah i mean we're honestly looking really forward to it i guess by the time this will be put up it'll be 12 days away the draft yeah yeah, yeah so yeah so we'll be uh 12 days away um as of currently you know june 10th we're recording this at like 12 a.m so just across the night but that will be up here soon jaron i think that you know we're, we're more twitch type of guys uh compared to um oh how am i bluffing on this what's the uh, live stream no the live stream that um everybody uses discord Oh, Discord. oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like we're more Twitch type of guys. What do you think? I, I would actually agree. Uh, yeah, I would like we probably should look, look into yeah. up a Twitch account. Yeah, for big so, events. So uh, we'll 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 get that social, of course, in our handle, and you can see it on the YouTube podcast. And we'll we'll try to blare it all out there once we get it all figured out. But uh, ten or twelve days away, rather, uh, we're still figuring out the intricacies and workarounds uh, of that, of course. But other than that, we'll be getting into some of the you know rumors that have kind of surfaced over the you know the last week or so in regards to the this whole um you know Kyrie Irving LeBron drama sort of thing where Kyrie Irving uh, reportedly uh per I believe was it uh I think it was Chris Haynes Chris Haynes yeah. and I, I think maybe even Jake Fisher or Woj may have said something that he is uh trying to will LeBron to the Mavs but I mean we you know obviously there's a lot of smoke coming out this juncture of the, the year. And, you know, I, I think a lot of Mavs fans on Twitter got that narrative and sort of, you know, definitely sort of ran with it, especially after all the rumors started surfacing up of Kyrie throughout uh, this NBA playoffs, you know, where he's been going to some, some Suns and Lakers games and, you know, dapping up with some old teammates. There's been a lot of smoke. Um, it's been kind of hard to sift through all these rumors to, you know, just because it has been a lot of conflicting stuff from national media, pretty, you know, accredited guys here. Um, you know, the this is just what happens when you have a guy of Kyrie's status of, you know, a superstar like that. Things are just going to pop up. So we kind of wanted to let some of these rumors build up before we uh, fully glossed over them and uh, fully kind of talked about what we do think is and isn't true. Um, you know, we're going to we're going to keep it realistic and we'll use, um, you know, logistical data and uh things of that nature to, to back up what, uh, you know, our opinion is here, but that's not, 
to say that we can't be wrong. Of course, something could happen and the validity of these rumors could uh, come into fruition and, you know, LeBron James could become a Maverick. So um, we'll, we'll go a little more in depth into it as we get in the podcast, but um, you know, you never know. I think that's one thing we can definitely say after watching the NBA, especially these last couple of years. Um, it definitely, especially this playoffs. Here. Yes. Uh, they, they, uh, the NBA as a brand is definitely starting to fit the slogan of the early 2010s where amazing happens. But um, conversely, there's also a lot of bullshit that persists in the sports. It's, it's, you know, it's, Basically, uh, it's it's like one of those magazines that you pick up, um, you know, specifically talking more so, you know, the early two thousands, and uh, you know, half of it will be, um, like supermodels and all that sort of stuff, and then there's a bunch of, you know, just countless advertisements that nobody wants to read. That's essentially what the NBA is right now. Uh, pretty much, yeah. pretty much, yeah, yeah. So, um, other than that, um, we're excited to get into this podcast, of course, and especially when we get cranking on these draft profiles. Uh, here in the coming podcast but before we can do all that of course we have our good friends over at anchor they're gonna bless us with this sponsorship all right jaren so getting into it sifting through uh, the wide array of rumors that the national media has uh, put on for us these last couple weeks you know starting with that report by chris haynes that um, Kyrie would be keen on trying to um, you know maybe solicit lebron's um, appearance in a Dallas Mavericks uniform. Uh, this obviously came about last week. A lot of Mavericks fans on Twitter were very hyped up about this. Do you think that this situation is illegitimate, or uh, is there some smoke to this? I mean, look, like I, I, I'm looking at the situation. I'm not viewing it more as is LeBron coming to Dallas? Is Draymond Green coming to Dallas? I'm more so looking at this like it clearly looks like Kyrie's happy here. He's trying to recruit other players to come here. Uh, come play in Dallas with him and I think that's you know more so to me what sticks out now granted it would be amazing and it would be absolutely life-changing if LeBron James or even Draymond Green for that matter came and they were wearing a white and blue jersey but you know the likelihood of that happening at least this year or even next year for that matter is very very unlikely um, now like I said you know that would be amazing uh, and you know I love seeing the the sort of edits that people are making with LeBron and Mavericks jerseys but I'm not going to take too much credence to that uh especially the lebron remarks but you know however that being said um to me like i said what sticks out is you know Kyrie seems to be pretty happy here i think once he gets the right dollar amount he should or he he might resign uh you know it's never a no with or it's never a 100 with Kyrie irving you can just never say that so i think it's a all likelihood you know possible that he will resign especially after those sort of comments but you know to me uh, I think that the sort of recruiting that Kyrie Irving can do this offseason might benefit the Mavericks extremely, especially, you know, I think that there's a, a number of guys in this league who would love to play with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic for that matter. So I don't think it'll be, you know, necessarily a hard sort of setting the hook scenario um, on these super on these sort of superstars. I think it's whether, you know, the Mavericks are going to pull the trigger on it. So uh, I think the Maverick or I think Kyrie for that matter will do his due diligence um, and sort of. I guess recruiting uh, off-season guys to the team. Yeah, I think that that was the uh, best way you definitely could encapsulate the situation, right? Because Kyrie can, you know, you know, by virtue of him, you know, he he can extend his his grace to other superstar players in the league, and you know, try to do recruiting, you know, as hopefully we can get Luca to do one day, even though that's you know a tougher bridge for some of the European superstars to do that with American superstars, but that's obviously you know attributes. Um, in today's NBA that are 
you know, just widely ap- applicable by uh, most stars nowadays. Uh, and you are right that, you know, a lot of that, that smoke on stuff like that doesn't um, end up coming to fruition, especially when it's prompted by players, you know, and, and we're looking at a guy here in LeBron that, you know, is still under contract for the Lakers. This would have to be uh, a pretty extensive trade here. Do you even think uh, the Mavericks would have the wherewithal to be able to make a trade uh, of this magnitude uh, without including uh, Luka Doncic or I guess, I mean, obviously Kyrie Irving in this instance, um, you know, based on most of these reports and his willingness to play with LeBron and uh, that re that rekindling seeming like uh, it means something in some sort of fashion this offseason, uh, whether it be Kyrie joining the Lakers or at least um, reaching out to see if LeBron could facilitate to come, you know, facilitate something to come to Dallas. Do you think it's even a possibility uh, that this could happen if, you know, LeBron just, you know, I, I do think that it would it would take. LeBron literally like listing Dallas as a trade target destination yeah. that he wants to go there. Uh, he wants to reunite with Bronny once the Mavericks miraculously keep their pick in the uh, 2024 NBA draft. They they do they they do have that pick right. Uh, I actually that that's given to New York now that we have our pick, I believe. Oh, that's that's right. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, it would be our 2020. Uh, considering that we likely are to uh, no, we can trade the 2025 pick. Just oh, not, okay. not just because of the Stepien rule, um, and the 2024 pick being out the door to the Knicks, the 2025 pick, um, is not applicable to be traded until the draft. Okay, we just oh, can't, okay, okay. we just right. can't trade it in advance. Okay, so uh, we still do have it in our back pocket if that comes around, and you know maybe LeBron, uh, Bronny is feeling a little frisky, stays an extra year at USC. You never know what could happen. You never here. know. You never know. And uh, yeah, I mean, you do bring up a good point. What kind of package would the Mavericks have to give the Lakers in order to bring LeBron James to Dallas? And, you know, personally, I do think that there is a world where they keep Luka and they keep Kyrie on that same roster while bringing LeBron in. But, you know, I think that more so, you know, does Dallas want to give up their whole future? Would they want to give up Josh Green, Jane Hardy? Probably three first round picks, the three that we do have, uh, including this year's. Um, And I, I just don't think that the Mavericks would even consider that as a trade possibility especially with the fact that you know luca is so young uh in superstar world that i just don't think that they'd really consider that and i I really don't think that you know we're gonna blow too much smoke into this of course uh you know i think that this has been talked about enough but you know lebron james coming to dallas would be amazing as we said before but i I just don't think that there there is a possible trade if you're trying to keep luca and you're trying to keep Kyrie on this team there probably is not going to be a trade that exists where you're not giving up three first-round picks and your whole entire future on top. All right, I'm, I'm going to try breaking the bank here to see if the Lakers would even accept this, okay? Okay, I'm a, so, so I'm Rob Palika. Are yeah, you, yes, okay. yes, all right. All right, Tim Hardaway Jr., Davis Bertans, Jaden Hardy, Josh Green, the uh, and the 2027 um, first-round pick, a few pick swaps. Um, I, I guess that's a thrill, and, and the 10th pick, of course. Uh, I mean, I mean, once once it's like applicable to be traded, I think it has to be like a couple months until like after free agency. But if, of course, in this instance, if we were just bringing LeBron here, this would have to be obviously a pretty quick endeavor unless it somehow happened later in the summer. Um, so, you know, it could be a draft night thing. Do you do you think that that could get the deal done? I, I mean, like, I think that has probably be under consideration. I'm not all fully encompassed in what the Lakers sort of cap scenario might look like if that were to be at all applicable i'm not sure if they would be saving anything or like maybe looking forward 
to free agency I, if that I, were the case. I um, personally like don't think they would even consider I, I don't think that I mean it, it's just the magnitude of LeBron, what he would Yeah, I mean I, yeah. LeBron in LA I think is probably despite too his big age. of a figure. The only thing that I think would sort of constitute even looking at that is the number of picks that were going to be given again. I know you said two pick swaps in the pick swaps. If there was a third team that got involved. Maybe, maybe. maybe. I, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're chopping at the we're, bits here. We're general managers here. Yeah. So. To, well, but you have to kind of chop at the bits to even uh, get a package that would be even worth considering. So look, I, I do think that the rumors are cool. And the, you know, the one thing that I will take credence from uh, amidst all of this is probably the fact that we have an individual in Kyrie, especially if he's, he does stay um, that is out there actually, you know, at least, you know, maybe, the reports could be fake. I don't know, but you know, this is a guy who has good relationships with many players amongst the league, uh, you know, regardless of the off court perception of him, you know, it's always been predicated on some of his individual um, sort of dwellings rather than, you know, how he has been as a teammate and how other people perceive him. And I mean, most of the guys that he plays with tend to like him on a personal level. You know, there's obviously the basketball questions, maybe when Kyrie left the Cavs, things like that. But on a personal level, uh, almost everybody tends to, uh, you know, really like this guy. So uh, to have an asset like that, especially, um, you know, a guy that is spearheading your franchise, if he does stay, um, is huge for the Mavericks because, you know, in Luka, they don't necessarily even have that yet. And who knows when, you know, would they even have another number two to do that now? You know, obviously Kyrie is, is 31, but even to have that um, as a bridge in this generation till maybe one of their younger players, uh, could develop or they could get another all-star in the next few years is, is big for the franchise. No, I mean, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, signing Kyrie is of the utmost importance this offseason. And again, you know, as we mentioned before, and I'm sure as many of you have thought, like I, I do think, uh, me personally, I'm viewing this more as a sort of Kyrie wants to be here sort of scenario rather than LeBron's coming to Dallas. Um, I know, you know, it, like I said, it's cool and all, especially with the distraction or I guess that being the distraction from the NBA finals uh, or the playoffs, I guess. No, it was the finals at that time. Um, I, you know, I, I just think it's more so cool to get our name out. Um, but like I said, I'm viewing this more as a Kyrie is enjoying his time in Dallas. He's looking to get some of his friends, some of his former work colleagues, some of his teammates uh, into Dallas, into a Mavericks uniform. And I think, you know, at even that if point, unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, you know, LeBron, I think, is probably the most unrealistic option you could choose. Maybe outside of Giannis, you know, yeah, or like a Jokic like, or something yeah. like that. It, like I think that's probably on par with those guys. Um, I, so and that's why you know I'm not taking too much credence into LeBron James coming to Dallas. But um, again, I think that there is some sort of future scenario where you know, assuming Kyrie does resign, I, I don't know what that dollar figure would look like. We'll probably see that uh, more cleared up, more sort of uh, talked about as soon as that comes, you know, closer to time and fruition. But I, I, I do think that there is a future where Maybe there are some guys, maybe, you know, LeBron, maybe not LeBron necessarily, but some guys under that, that would consider coming to Dallas because of the namesake of Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic. And I I really do believe that, especially with, you know, I mean, heck, Kyrie's doing his work right now. He's trying to recruit LeBron James coming to Dallas. Too. Uh, I mean, there there's a number of things to say here. So that that's why, you know, I'm viewing this more as a Kyrie's wanting to be in Dallas. He's wanting to bring his uh, friends, I guess, along. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't be more happier if I'm – in that department and again there's no 100 guarantee uh that he's going to resign but with all assumptions that we can make from this sort of breaking news or sort of you know distraction from the finals that's how i'm that's how i'm gonna view it yeah no i mean the validity of these things also has to be taken into account because we don't know how true any of this is like i kind of stated but 
you know, it definitely was nice to, uh, you know, kind of throw a left hook um, at all the rumors that had persisted throughout the playoffs after Kyrie had, you know, been at all these opposing teams arenas, watching games, staffing up other players. I think everybody just sort of pre-assumed that because of, you know, the lack of a huge market here in Dallas, uh, you know, it was just another stop in a, uh, in, in a, you know, a bountiful career yeah. for, for Kyrie. And he was ready to, you know, move on to uh, bigger, you know, better and brighter endeavors now that he has to get, he gets to go to a team of choice in a sign and trade scenario, or just, you know, within cap, he'll be absorbed within cap space from the teams that actually have it, which is um, the very, very slim, yeah. yeah, slim, a select few teams. Um, so I, I think everybody was kind of um, already penciling that in as what was going to happen um you know once they started starting the playoffs rolling so to see the level-headedness of you know Kyrie he seemed to have enjoyed his time here he has not said anything definitively uh nor on the record that he is going to stay in Dallas or like wants to be in Dallas for sure going forward he he definitely strayed away from doing so when he was here but you know all the vibes definitely seem good and you know all all kind of reports uh that are uh you know not definitive or anything like that all the rumors are, are pointing in the right direction and, uh, you know, especially from Mark Stein, who's a close, you know, Dallas confidant, of course, used to report, I believe, for the Dallas Morning News and now is on the national stage, um, you know, doing his own thing. Um, he obviously has been pretty adamant that there's a fairly high likelihood that Kyrie will resign. So, I mean, from that perspective, uh, things are looking pretty good now. There are obviously a few sign and trade scenarios that you know, could persist this summer if Kyrie is to seek other ventures. And I mean, he's even said as much on his Instagram live that, you know, he's still considering his options and we'll, we'll go more, you know, we'll talk about the team specifically, I guess, if you just want to get into it right now. Um, but, you know, we may make some fake trades over the off season. If uh, anything starts to kind of really heat up in that category, uh, it may not warrant a whole pod quite yet, but it's something that we'll talk about, but I know there's been lots of things with the, the Suns and the Lakers, obviously. And I mean, a package from the Lakers, you know, it would have to probably, you know, spearhead one of their young players and then multiple draft assets, in my opinion, because I don't think that they have any young player that's so intriguing, in my opinion, um, that would, you know, warrant me, you know, bringing that guy on and, you know, kind of lessening, you know, conversely, yeah. some of the draft capital that the Lakers would have to to send back. I still think, you know, especially the way Kyrie handled himself, I think he did, um, you know, not depreciate, but, you know, he appreciated a little bit in his value after those last 30 games or so in Dallas. So I, you know, I, I think it would be a pretty hefty package and the Mavericks would be fairly well off if they were to negotiate a sign and trade. Um, I don't know the ramifications of it, you know, if it would make them hard capped or what all they could pull off. I'd have to really fire up the trade machine as well. You know, we'll, we'll do that as we get closer to free agency, of course. And, you know, obviously there's the whole sons and Aiden rumor, but, you know, nonetheless, um, I wouldn't say that, Kyrie is strangle held into having, you know, to be in a sign and trade um, from, you know, if he's wanting to go to a, another team of his choosing uh, because teams can clear clap, can clear cap. You know, we saw it with the Knicks last year close, you know, as they approached the draft and yeah. they just did a uh, full array of moves and got cap space opened up and they were able to sign Jalen Brunson. So I, you know, if, if something starts heating up in terms of what the Lakers or the Suns are doing this off season, keep your eyeballs on the next two weeks to see what happens. Cause you know, especially with that whole Chris Paul scenario. It, uh, it would yeah. happen in the next two weeks. Yeah. 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 With him being waived or if there's a trade partner there. 
um, if something ends up clearing up. But as of right now, the Mavericks do have a little bit of a blanket of security uh, from the standpoint that only really non-contenders have cap space right now. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I like I said, I, like you said, actually, uh, yeah, just keep your eyes open because, again, I, I the one team to me that I think has a legit move or a legit shot at that is Phoenix. Uh, again, there's those rumors that Chris Paul was waived, uh, and I believe he, in fact, was not. Uh, but again, those are real rumors, uh, and I, I do expect that to happen either closer to draft or pre or post draft. If they can't um, find a trade, if they can't find a trade, yeah. And you know the whole DeAndre Ayton saga. I think if they're looking to unload Ayton, I think uh, likely it'd have to be in a sign and trade uh, with Dallas, or they just look to trade Ayton and get off that contract completely, yeah. and then that makes them real suitors, in my opinion, actual suitors for a potential Kyrie signing. Yeah, no, and, and needless to say, if there somehow was some sort of Chris Paul direct Kyrie swap. Um, I can rest assured to Mavs fans, I would least it I would least hope that in that scenario, Nico Harrison uh would be gaining back some substantial draft capital from the Suns or another team. I don't know exactly what the Suns can expel after they essentially emptied the brigade yeah. in the Kevin Durant trade. Um, but you know, any any sort of asset that they do have, um, I guess we're looking at uh Josh Akogi. Yeah, like, right? <laughs> uh Terrence Ross makes his actual Mavericks debut. Um, I'm sure that or they, they may have to get a third team involved if they just were to do a, a trade or something like that with Chris Paul. And I'm sure the Mavericks would have to be taking more back in that instance because Chris Paul has a seven-year age gap between Kyrie and is obviously, I think we could probably say definitively a, a worse player at this stage in his career, uh, even though stage. he can still definitely contribute on a championship team in the right scenario. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I don't mean to be... Dragging this conversation on, but I think the Lakers would be a legit sort of suitor for Chris Paul, and that's all I'll say. No, yes, I, I think that that, if anything, is the welcoming that Lakers fans may get this offseason. And I, I'm okay with that. You know, yes. I, I'm okay with Chris Paul. And they need a, they need that real floor general. They've been trying to seek it in free agency uh, the last few years. They, they, you know, they tried their hand at Rondo, uh, but you know, Point LeBron in LA, um, needless to say, might be on the out there. It could be on the out. We could see him landing his bags in dallas but yeah <laughs> that'll be a pod yeah. probably a year from now so yeah i know but uh we we definitely wanted to hash out the rumors at least to at least get our thoughts on them you know i, I don't want to be you know too clickbaity in terms of our podcast because you know we do feel like these are not illegitimate but they just have a very small likelihood of happening just because of all the other moving parts that have to occur for this to happen but it, you know it's not out of the realm of possibility as we said at the beginning of the pod it is the nba so uh we'll just have to see what happens but uh it'll be interesting to see going forward uh nonetheless so jaron if you wanted to actually get into the real topic at hand here the kyrie irving season interview uh for the mavericks i don't know the exact amount of games that kyrie uh played this past season for the mavericks um perhaps we'll look it up real quick just to get a d- definitive answer on this because we wouldn't want to just leave you guys hanging. So Kyrie Irving, this past season, see what Basketball Reference has for us here. We love our boys. He ended up playing sixty games total, uh, twenty of which were with the Mavericks. So he only played twenty games with the Mavericks this past year. Uh, it's actually shorter than I expected, Jaron. I, I earnestly thought it would be around like thirty or so. Um, but uh, you know, taking into account that he was resting a couple of those. Uh, you know, some of the last games in the regular season there with the Mavericks leading the brigade, um, you know, taking out um, all the, uh, you know, attempting pre- to take out the Western Hemisphere with yeah. their tanks. With their tanks, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, they were, uh, it, it was a World War II-esque scenario. 
um, in which the Mavericks were Nazi Germany spearheaded by, I don't even want to go there in terms of the, the comparison I was going to make, but it was, it was all jokes, guys. None of this is uh, serious. You know, just pretend that, you know, mainstream maps, you know, we're also trying to bolster our comedy career. Yeah, we are, we are absolutely. So, we're we're, we're a, a, a striving stand-up comedians in the Austin, Texas realm. I was playing. We're not actually in Austin, but now everything's a joke. Nothing's real. Absolutely. Anyways, guys, um, <laughs> uh, to, to get back to the topic on hand um, with Kyrie and his past season, Jaron, in those 20 games from Dallas, you know, once the initial shock had sort of settled down and you were really able to microanalyze uh, this individual's game and his effect on the basketball court, um, what did you see from him uh, in his time in Dallas from an on-court perspective, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball uh, in those 20 games? May I say Kyrie Irving is the most talented basketball player I've ever seen. I, I, I will stand by that. I know some may disagree but after seeing those 20 games in a Mavericks uniform I really didn't understand his game up until uh, I saw him pretty much for the first time against the Clippers and I I think that's you know about as real as it gets Uh, you know Kyrie Irving an amazing basketball player of course we all knew so when you said you didn't you know understand well I just I just never you know I didn't watch it on a nightly basis like I I got to really indulge uh, I mean again it was only 20 games doesn't sound like a whole lot but it it felt you know as you said it felt like more like 30 and I, I would second that um and yeah I mean I think that we got a pretty good dosage of what you know Kyrie and what Luca could possibly look like uh that duo itself but yeah I mean from just the Kyrie perspective I I really enjoyed it from what we saw I think uh a a real leader I I mean and I think that we can confidently say that a guy who can of course handle the ball at you know pretty much an A plus sort of grade um and you know he's a, a great teammate I think you know whenever you think of Kyrie you think of all the amazing layups all the amazing shots he made game seven uh, pretty much winning that game for the Cavaliers after that, you know, of course, amazing LeBron block. But, you know, you think about all the sort of uh, self-accomplishments that he's done or the sort of solo accomplishments that he's had. But he's a great teammate, uh, not just, you know, from a mental perspective, but also from a f- uh, facilitating perspective. He's a great playmaker. Uh, he got a lot of guys open. Unfortunately, you know, the Mavericks didn't shoot the ball all too amazing this season from the three-point line, but there was the, the high volume of shots that were there. And a lot of times they were created by his drives. They were created by his sort of kickout effect that he brings on this team. And I think that's, you know, more so one of the things that I, I I saw most was just the effect that he can bring from, or bring, you know, the defense just basically the defense just has to focus on him so much that there's going to be an open shooter, no matter what, even whenever Luca and Kyrie are on the floor at the same time, possibly even one of those two could be open at one point in that sort of trifecta or that, I guess, you know, that sort of duo effect um and and yeah I think that's probably the biggest thing that stuck out to me was just how amazing of a teammate he was how his ability to dribble the ball pretty much just sort of sucks in the d for lack of better terms um and and creates just so many open shots uh and and on the defensive end you know I think a lot stuck out to me you know we had Spencer Dinwiddie before we replaced him with Kyrie Irving of course and uh I, I forget what sort of uh data it was but something basically said that Spencer Dinwiddie was a, a very net negative defender from pretty much every category. There's and a lot of data coming out. There, like there is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but and we, we tried to to give him his due diligence on the podcast. He, he did do, he had a decent, like, he was, of, oh, he, yeah. I would say at the start of the season, he was pretty locked in as an off ball defender. I thought, I remember him jumping the passing lanes a lot more. I will say as his, as the season um, started, you know, appro- you know, approaching the trade deadline we start heading towards all-star break. I think the wheels fell off a little bit in Absolutely. terms of his defense. Yeah, I think yeah. for, I mean, attention, everything pretty much fell off. But 
Yeah, I mean, we replaced him with Kyrie Irving, who I think to me is an absolute 100% positive. I think that there was some arguments there uh, within the Mavericks community, just kind of not knowing, again, Kyrie's game. Uh, but he does bring a little bit of defense, uh, and not just a little bit. I think he had actually a pretty big defensive impact, which is a lot saying for how awful this team was defensively throughout the whole entire year. But I, I think his ability, you know, whether one-on-one, uh, I know he was stuck on some mismatches sometimes. That's where we kind of saw his defensive liability uh, really on full effect. Uh, but one-on-one, you know, with this sort of matchup, I, I think he played really good defense. Uh, he, I, I mean, I think he averaged a full maybe steal, maybe even a, almost like 1.3 steals or something like that. I'm not quite sure. We don't have the stats right in front of us. But um, I do know that he averaged over a steal, especially in his time in Dallas, uh, per game. And I think that, you know, just having that sort of effect on how awful this defense was, was immensely huge. Uh, and it, to me, it seemed like anytime he was on the floor, uh, you know, the defense wasn't at a total utter sort of rush or at a total utter sort of collapse. Um, I, I think that there was some sensibility there. But, you know, again, this team was so bad defensively that there's probably not many good numbers that'll back my sort of statement up. But I, I think, you know, personally, I think Kyrie brought a lot better um, defense compared to what Spencer Dinwiddie did. And I think we can continue uh, through next season, assuming he resigns to see a pretty good defensive incline, um, especially assuming this team gets a lot better defensively. And that's probably a big if right now, Um, but assuming they make the right moves and, you know, they get a coach at at the assistant level, I think that uh, we could definitely see an upgraded defense and him probably being that number one point guard in that defensive scheme. Yeah. Now I think you summed up, Kyrie's um you know effect on both sides of the ball pretty well there I think what stuck out to me most was probably probably just the gravity that he had you know he's accumulated um in terms of you know how much attention defense is paid to him um you know having a guy of his caliber I really I really didn't understand I think going into it just how insane and how much he has to work just to get to his spot uh especially uh, with the amount of blitzes that he, you know, faces in pick and roll scenarios, it's different from Luca because you know if Luca gets blitzed, uh, he you know has that six seven six eight frame to be able to see over people and kind of dictate how the possession goes by you know moving it to a certain point on the on the court or you know making swinging a cross court pass or you know being able to split the defense and get the ball out in a pick and roll. Kyrie, on the other hand, um, is almost just a master class of like dribbling and being able to you know diagnose what the defense does and then do something you know more athletically off of that you know compared to Luca and I mean I I think that that's you know the superstar effect that I was you know most you know just in awe of when you know you're talking about a you know one of the point guards you know best probably the best handles in the NBA uh, of all time you know in Kyrie Irving a guy like that and uh, his ability to just, you know, like know when, when to reject screens, um, you know, he always essentially makes the right read from, uh, you know, a pick and roll perspective on what to do in a possession. You know, he's really good at cutting. Um, I didn't know how much he holistically affected the game. I, I knew that, you know, he had an insane dribble drive game. You know, he could make pull up threes and stuff like that. He's a really flashy player, but. Uh, this is a guy that I, I can confidently say after seeing this, seeing him in a Mavericks uniform is like a complete like bought into winning player yeah. would do anything, would sacrifice anything to to get his team to win. I, I did not know how much 
of, you know, he, he affected the game on all levels from his defense. Um, like Jared had mentioned, you know, just being savvy, you know, even if he does have a size disadvantage on guys that he has a size advantage of, he's usually like a pretty haunting yeah, pretty, defender yeah. and he gets after them easily on guys that he has a disadvantage of coming because he has decent length at his size, but he's always, act, he always has active hands, always really instinctual trying to poke the ball out of defenders. Um, you know, when they have, you know, the ball in a triple threat or a post position, he, he really tries as far as he can. And the Mavericks are always running curl offs, staggers, um, you know, you know, pin downs for him, uh, just to get him going downhill, you know, before he even has the ball in his hands. And I, I hope to, you know, see them open up the off ball movement with him a little bit more because it, it did get featureized in some games, but, uh, you know, at the beginning of his, his first few debuts or they, uh, didn't really have the, uh, the time to, to throw that in the toolbox yet, as well as, you know, his two men with Luca game, uh, getting opened up. That's something that I look forward to, you know, being, put on display a lot more next season if Kyrie is to come back um, because, you know, some of those outlets of offense uh, were some of the definitely like most unstoppable things I had seen um, in terms of an on-court product ever watching the Dallas Mavericks, because uh, just the attention that you'd see opposing defenses have to play uh, to pay to those two guys at the same time. Um, You could obviously, you could see the heads turn and um, it, it definitely led to a lot of open baskets, but you know, the Mavericks were at a place last year where they really didn't have much offensive creation outside of Jaden Hardy, uh, which was, you know, his abilities as a third ball handler, uh, as well as a playmaker. Uh, you know, I'm not just talking about strictly a shot creation, but, um, you know, that is obviously, you know, still a kind of a work in progress. Absolutely. And, you know, when you have a team of fairly one dimensional players, especially with Josh Green kind of waning in that ability towards the end of the season, you know, it obviously takes an extreme wor- workload off of a whole offense to have Luca and Kyrie leading the attack, but they never had, you know, a formal training camp to get indoctrinated with each other, nor did Jason Kidd really open the toolbox fully off. Ba- you know, I don't know if it was based on the Mavericks playoff positioning or, you know, if that's just a wrinkle he's waiting to un- unroll, you know, unravel. Hopefully he does this next season. Uh, but I mean, they didn't really even scratch the surface of the potential in terms of Kyrie and Luca's off ball movement and the way they can screen for each other, things of that nature. So uh, just genuinely after seeing the first uh, 20 games in a Mavericks uniform, just really excited and uh, in awe of how much he affected the game uh, within the margins uh, compared to, I guess, probably what my perception of what, you know, a superstar player, especially a guy that gets persecuted in the national media, you would think that maybe he's a guy who, you know, just comes in and puts on a dribbling show and, you know, then doesn't try on defense and doesn't do a bunch of other things. Yeah. But I, you know, that perception couldn't be further from the truth after having seen 20 games in a Mavericks uniform. He really performed up to the standard as a three-level score, um, you know, certified not just, you know, two to Luca, but one uh, B. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, uh, he, he literally lived up to it. And um, despite the end of the season that the Mavericks had, he definitely gave me hope going forward if they are to build a better roster around these two as Kyrie's in his late prime here that the Mavericks could really make something happen because um, that's just a very hard ebb and flow and uh, dynamic to stop on offense uh, when you have those guys uh, being able to dissect opposing defenses, you know, just as knowledgeable and savvy as they are with the basketball in their hands. Absolutely. Uh, you know, well, I know this is a little different from like the sort of questions that we've been asking, but you know, I, I, to me, uh, you know, I think we've seen it already a little bit with this whole sort of LeBron saga, everything like that. But I guess my question to you, Will, is, you know, 
uh, we talked about the on-ball stuff that sort of he brings and sort of the effects that he brings and positively manners. Um, I guess, you know, off the court, you know, I, I think what can he bring to this Mavericks team that pretty much, you know, hasn't ever been offered? Um, like I have my answer in mind. I'm pretty sure we probably have the same answer, but, uh, you know, off the court, I think what can, what can Kyrie offer um, that he, you know, necessarily can't do on the court? Well, obviously, you know, Kyrie um, is definitely an ambassador of sorts to the yeah. game of basketball. And, you know, he is, you know, going to be able to, you know, I, I've, we've already seen, you know, as good as some of the Mavericks players already are from this perspective with guys like uh, Dwight Powell, um, you know, being leaders in the community, uh, Kyrie is a, you know, a pretty noted donator to to things of that sort, and is very uh, proactive in terms of trying to uplift people as well as the community. You know, maybe some people don't agree um, with some of his, you know, mental statements and all of his woke stuff uh, that he, you know, posts on Instagram. I personally, you know, maybe more aligned with some of that stuff than other people, but I do think that. Um, the, you know, centripetal message of positivity that he tries to spread, first of all, um, you know, amongst fellow teammates will definitely be met uh, op- with open arms and uh, positive receptivity. And, you know, in tandem with that, um, you know, and kind of just by virtue of that, he's obviously built a lot of great relationships with players across the league. And, you know, that's going to open the door in terms of recruiting, um, you know, making Dallas, um, an A-list free agent destination going forward, as well as, uh, you know, somebody to trade with. And, you know, his relationship with Nico Harrison, obviously, uh, since Kyrie started at Nike, uh, was something that had been, you know, developing, even though he's no longer there. Of course, Nico isn't either. So I don't think that there's a bridge burn there, Any, of course. And, uh, you know, the Mavericks have been very transparent with Kyrie in terms of, you know, trying to curate his lifestyle in a Mavericks uniform, just to, you know, just focusing on basketball, being a professional and then he can spread whatever other messages he wants to off court. And I, I have been fairly pleased with how the Mavericks handled that situation. You know, there've been some people in the Dallas media uh, that have kind of been, you know, teeter tottering on that line, but I think, you know, in, in a media market like Dallas comparable to like New York or, you know, Los Angeles, you're going to get um, a lot more questions and things, you know, that are going to be conducive to the on-court product and the actual basketball um, and, and not not having to deal with some of the, uh, you know, just overarching questions that Kyrie uh, may get asked about that, you know, have to deal with his past or maybe just kind of ill timing or, you know, maybe albeit even from his perspective, just a little unfair, even if some of the, you know, people in media don't look at it that way. I think that that will, um, you know, that did help. I think his mental you know standpoint is just overall enjoyment from the basketball perspective and you know, I hope that the uh, Dallas media continues to operate um, with those uh, kind of things in mind, because I, I do think that that definitely kind of helped him enjoy his stay more a little bit here. Uh, now, you know, if, of course, if he does do something off the court that constitutes uh, questioning, then, I, you know, I do think it's the media's job to be critical in those instances. But um, just the, the warm receptivity um, in the midst of him not really having any off-court troubles at the time that he got to Dallas, because... You know, I wouldn't say that he had – that's a interest. I mean, he didn't really have any off-court troubles uh, that were concurrent at the time yeah, of Dallas that were still ongoing um, or, or, you know, be still being kind of – that that weren't already, you know, dealt with in some sort of form or fashion. Uh, so from that perspective, I, I think that that will help him. And, 
Um, you know, obviously the recruiting aspect uh, with other players and stuff around the league, the, the notoriety that the Mavericks will have as a franchise will just increase uh, just by him being here and the respect that they'll get from a national media perspective and from other players across the league, um, I think will increase tremendously, especially after, uh, you know, multiple players and postgame pressers from opposing teams last year, uh, you know, countless times would uh, just talk about how easy it was to just walk into the paint against the Mavericks and how they had no rim protection. You know, maybe that still may be the case if they somehow don't handle the business this offseason, but at least there's another added layer of respect there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I was going to pretty much second everything that you said there, uh, especially the recruiting aspect. I think that, you know, Kyrie's relationships that he has built over the last few years uh, has definitely sort of led way to the possibilities of what the depth, of what the Mavericks could do uh, this offseason, you know, potentially future offseason, depending on what Kyrie chooses to do. Um, I, I think that's pretty much said it there, but. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, Kyrie's ability to have these relationships definitely benefits the Mavericks yeah, immensely, uh, you know, him either being t- able to recruit uh, or just having, you know, good relationships with people off the court. I think that that's really beneficial beneficial for any franchise for that matter, um, but especially the Mavericks here, because, again, we are a Mavericks podcast. Uh, we are fans of the Mavericks, and I, I think it's uh, really important to sort of talk about that and the sort of off the court um benefits that Kyrie does bring because I you know I feel like whenever it comes to off off the court things you know you think of Kyrie Irving uh as a very net negative net negative uh whenever it comes to that aspect just because of the national narrative of what uh they've kind of built up through him over the last few seasons but um I I definitely you know second what you said um and I think I'm really looking forward to what he could potentially do over the next few off seasons uh with you know potentially bringing in guys uh, and who knows, maybe he even uh, brings in a head, assistant head coach here because we're having a big problem there. Um, but who knows, you know, there's a lot of possibilities to be said, a lot of p- possibilities to be had as well. And uh, I'm interested to see what sort of route happens and what sort of route could possibly um, be available with him in this sort of roster, I guess. No, yeah, I, I would definitely second you on that. Is there anything else that you would like to note in terms of uh, Kyrie's game? I know that we maybe necessarily didn't get into the intricacies of how he's able to uh, dissect opposing defenses, you know, with his dribbling. But I mean, a lot of it's just so self-explanatory when you watch some of these games, yeah. uh, but we got into a lot of like just the sort of ancillary stuff that he does that nobody talks about in terms of his rebounding, in terms of his defense, things of that nature. And I mean, the guy is just such a, you know, he, he's just a, such a one-stop shop for, for buckets, man. I mean, he, his ability to just, play anybody one-on-one he's like the ultimate like one-on-one basketball player and get a mid-range jump shot off things like that matter I mean you know I've always wanted the Mavericks to get uh you know a certified number two um I didn't know if it would be somebody as so substantial you know if Kyrie Irving's pedigree um you know a guy that I would classify as that you know that just that pure like 1A tier a guy that can get you a bucket in the playoffs you know in the toughest spot of the floor in the mid-range, you know, fading away when it matters. There are only, you know, a select few players in this day and age in the NBA that uh, would be delegated to even take shots like that, uh, you know, like a pull-up mid-ranger just as, you know, as uncommon as those are, especially in the in the, the waning moments of games. And, you know, I look, like, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and segue that into the whole clutch conversation just because I know that that was a big talking point this year. I, I do think, you know, obviously Luca and Kyrie had a few of those clutch time woes last year, but – it never seemed as, you know, they also, at most junctures, um, a lot of it was just by some uh, malpractice in terms of the play design and a few out-of-timeout scenarios where they weren't able to succeed in those. And, you know, a few other times, 
Um, it was honestly pretty good looks. Yeah. Um, just you could debate on who should have took the shot between the two based on who was having a better game. But I mean, I, I think that a lot of that was also that sort of end of season sort of, uh, you know, just dread by Mavericks fans. They kind of had a sort of existential dread once bad things started happening that it would things just started kind of kind of culminate on top of each other. And I think people got a little, you know, overly, uh, you know, aggressive in terms of talking about those last scenarios of the game, because, you know, there's a whole other game to talk about, you know, in, in regards to how the Mavericks had lost some of those games. But look, I mean, the Mavericks clutch time woes were not something to be completely undermined, especially between Luca and Kyrie, but uh, the pedigree that they have, especially with Kyrie, I mean, making one of the most clutch shots of all time, um, and the relationship that they, you know, have started to forge in Dallas with Kyrie, you know, one of his first weeks there, inviting all of his teammates over to his home to see him and his wife and his kid, um, you know, after having just moved to a new city, um, you know, even if they're not like the best of friends, these guys all all like each other, respect each other as professionals. I, I don't think that there's any sort of um, issue that's persisting there. I do think that that is something, you know, as great as those players are, I, I just don't think, you know, it won't get solved next year. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. Uh, I think that's probably a good segue point into um, sort of our other talking points. Again, I don't know how much this sort of applies. Uh, applies. We because, definitely kind of got the yeah. bulk of the episode in terms of like <laughs> talking about Kyrie's play and all the off-court stuff. But, you know, we are going to fall. This is kind of what I did. You know, you weren't there, of course, for the uh, Luca season review podcast. I just kind of talked ad nauseum about how great he is for like 45 minutes. And then I just like went down the script yeah, uh, for yeah. the rest of the player profile. So we are still going to. Uh, you know, still have that continuity with our player profiles where, you know, we technically kind of talked about Kyrie's strengths and weaknesses, even though it was for a pretty long period of time. Uh, we'll still talk, of course, about, you know, the biggest improvements and stuff, but we have talked about the main things, of course, in this podcast. So this is obvious. This segment is obviously going to be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say glossed over upon, but it's going to be a, a little bit more to the point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, you know, some of these are not as applicable because we didn't really get to see his, a whole bunch of Kyrie in Brooklyn. So we'll try our best, though. Jaron, what would you say Kyrie's biggest improvement from previous year is? You can you can say anything. It doesn't have to be on the court, whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, mine is going to be availability on the court. I think that uh, Kyrie Kyrie's ability to be healthy, and again, you know, he didn't play uh, every game that he was available in Dallas. There was a few games, you know, whether it be late in season or even injury for that matter. I believe it was a – was it a right foot or something like that? I, if I remember, or left foot. Mm-hmm um that kept no, them out soreness, of the yeah yeah but given it was just soreness i'm happy now that yeah I think with the off season that that should be something that's meant yeah absolutely I, absolutely um but i think just you know availability i think that's probably his biggest improvement i believe the year previous he had only played uh 40 maybe 50 games uh in a brooklyn net uniform and i believe this year as a whole he played 60 mm-hmm. and i think um you know there was a, a availability of 28 or 30 games that he could have played as a maverick and he played 20 of them so that's a good you know two-thirds of the games that he could have played and he did play in um so yeah I think that's probably you know my biggest and I know that's probably not the biggest sort of you know standout I'm sure there's a lot of other people that could be like oh well you know his ability to get to the rim and his ability and efficiency uh sticks out most to me but you know I think you know because again we didn't watch him last year uh at a full sort of diagnostic or at least I don't even think I watched 20 Brooklyn Net games last year Mm -hmm. so you know from that standpoint alone um, I, I think, you know, to me, his biggest improvement was definitely availability, being on the court and being healthy. Yeah, I would definitely second that. I'm not even going to try to venture outside into uh, finding another answer because uh, Kyrie's availability with the Mavericks, I think, was also kind of conducive to 
how the Mavericks are treating this situation, or at least yeah. the way that we hope they're treating this situation, uh, which is, you know, let the, you know, you come in to work for us, at, you know, basketball, you know, the pre- on a professional level. Um, but, you know, otherwise, you know, you're free to push whatever, whatever other message you want off the court. And, you know, so long as you're not, um, you know, attacking any, you know, groups or individuals and your, your message is positive, even if it's obscure to some other people, like, you know, go for it. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that the Nets didn't let him do that, but um, I, I do think that he faced a lot more persecution from media upon certain things like that. And, you know, he had, he had times, you know, especially amidst like the whole COVID um, and, and some of the, uh, you know, you know, racial outcry that happened in that 2020, 2021 um, sort of time period, you know, obviously I think it kind of, for a guy that's, you know, as in tune with his uh, surroundings and, uh, you know, just the sort of political happenings of America, you know, more specifically, um, you know, on a social level, I think Kyrie, you know, definitely veered away from basketball and, you know, as an individual, as an adult, I think that the Mavericks, you know, need to go into this with the prerequisite that, hey, if something, you know, does require your attention, that's away from basketball. And it's, you know, during the regular season and you earnestly, you know, feel like you can't focus on basketball for X amount of time or whatever, you know, just grant him that leave of absence instead of having, you know, a contesting sort of nature or there being, you know, certain members, you know, pop up that, you know, within the organization that don't like it. Um, you know, it just seemed like there was like stuff like that, you know, at least in the water or potentially happening in Brooklyn, you know, the, the sort of aura, you know, behind having James Harden there as well as Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant. It was just a lot of drama, a lot of spotlight. I think in Dallas, um, you know, Kyrie's been able to just purely focus on basketball. And I mean, I never felt like the load, load management he had with us last year was, egregious i mean it was it was fairly warranted especially in some of those other games when they you know were resting players and things like that and you know he's 31 he's going to manage his career if Kyrie plays like 65 games in a year i'm completely happy with that Absolutely. like that's yeah. so it's a, that would be huge and you know that would help us a lot and he you know has to load manage a couple games maybe it's a small injury but you know all signs point towards you know this being a guy that does that is fully committed to winning and things of that sort so you know with no um, you know, he's obviously, you know, gonna obviously be, you know, in, in tune and, you know, he's going to, you know, be concurrent in terms of his dealings with, you know, the social status of, you know, America and other things like that, of course. But I think with some of just the overall craziness that this, you know, country kind of experienced a couple years ago, uh, comparable to, you know, the, the crazy level that's at now. I, I do think that things may not be as drastic for Kyrie to, you know, intentionally set out games or anything like that, you know, compared to a couple of years ago, he hasn't showed really any signs of that. And he, he does just seem fully committed to winning unless, uh, you know, something else has happened to me. I think he took like a game or two off because like his uncle or a close family member had passed away uh, in his time in Dallas yeah. or something like that had happened. But other than that, um, I, I think that this is a stage in his career where he is definitely, um, you know, ready to focus on basketball, ready to put things aside uh, and, and, you know, sort of find that dichotomy to where he can separate, you know, the two entities of basketball and personal life. I think Dallas is a better place to do that 
than some of the other bigger media markets. And I think availability will, you know, kind of follow with that trend in terms of that being something that, you know, is going to increase at a a little bit of a better rate for him next year, if I had to pre- predict something. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with what you said. I mean, we pretty much said that, shared the same sentiment there. Yeah. Um, you know, I think moving on uh, to this next sort of question, I think, uh, uh, you know, we went back in time. Now we're going to go a little bit in the future. What do you, what do you think has to be the biggest improvement that he has to make either over this offseason or over the next year? Um, you know, or at least what, what in your opinion has to be the biggest improvement? In his yeah, game? I mean, this is obviously directly involved with him, but I, it's not something that's technically something that he's been delegated to handle. And I, I would just say opening up the two game, the two man game with Luca a little bit more. Uh, when we asked this question, or I guess I asked myself this question in the Luca podcast, it was pretty easy to kind of point towards the conditioning or, you know, just improving a little bit better as a shooter for Luca. Uh, Cause that's something you can kind of, but you know, Kyrie at his size does not have many holes in his game, you know, Absolutely. if any, yeah. and it's, it's really hard to, you know, you're, he, he's been fine tuning all the intricacies of his game for years now. Um, but if I did have to say something on court, it would, it would probably be more so in how he's used. And I don't know how much of that is up to him. Um, but just in the way that the Mavericks could open up things, using him off ball a little bit more, uh, you know, running, you know, some stuff to get him downhill a little bit better. Um, you know, maybe pop some, you know, setting some, you know, back screens, some UCLA screens, you know, really opening up the offense uh, as as well as like getting more directly involved with Luca, like in the middle of the floor. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to see that. Maybe if I wanted to really hit the hammer on the head, I could say, uh, you know, especially just to, kind of depending on the personnel Dallas brings in this offseason. Um, if Kyrie could open up the playmaking a little more at certain junctures or, you know, I think this is a good one now that I think about it because I know a lot of fans were calling about this, but maybe to be a little more aggressive throughout, you know, substantial parts of the game uh, versus, you know, only turning it on the fourth quarter. We've seen him do that through large stretches of his career, but I do think that there was a little bit of a shock factor when he first got to Dallas where he wasn't being as aggressive as he could have been for the first few games, but then, you know, towards the latter half of his time here, maybe I'd say the last like, five, or not, it could be his time here, but last like five <laughs> or 10 games, I think that that was, you know, did a fairly quick 180 to in terms of his offensive output and, you know, how hard he was trying to find his own shot. I, I think that that was only maybe, a, you know, a little micro narrative that persisted there. But I mean, I, that's something that he could maybe do a little bit better on. But a lot of that's also getting, you know, adjusted to a new environment and uh, and new guys and a new team. So uh, if I had to pick something, you know, and be maybe a culmination of all that, but none of it's so substantial as to undermine the amazing player that, you know, he is. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think uh, we're pretty much second. Uh, I mean, we yeah, you can share that same. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only other two things that I would highlight, uh, again, I mean, his sort of, you know, as you mentioned, his sort of off-ball uh, ability. I think if he could work on his sort of effectiveness off-ball, whether it be cutting, constantly moving, doing like sort yeah, of stuff. Like I said, he's like, he's good at He's very yeah, good. Yeah, very good at Yeah, yeah and that's the thing. Bad, yeah. like, if you're wanting to fine-tune anything, find some sort of – yeah, you know, very little sort of knack in his you know game. It would be that. And again, he played with LeBron. He played with Kevin Durant. Like he's played with the greats. Uh, Luka Doncic now. Like I, I think he's figured out a, a good sort of formula, a good rhythm. Uh, whenever it comes to off ball movements. Uh, but again, I think if you could formulate, um, right or, or fine tune, I guess I should say anything offensively, it'd probably be that. Uh, and defensively, for me, I think it'd probably be sort of his switchability. Um, I felt like at times, you know even though he's an aggressive defender, he's really, really handsy. 
I, I don't feel like he was backing down at any point. I, I do feel like, however, um, there was a few points against sort of taller guys or uh, guys with bigger figures um, that would sort of back him down with ease. And again, I know he's a, a yeah, smaller he guy. Yeah, in some yeah, scenarios. Yeah, but that's yeah. the thing is, you know, the effort sort of lacked there in certain scenarios. Um, so to me, I think if he could uh, sort of work, work on his switchability on defense, that would probably improve a lot. Um, you, you know, know as a guy that's that. like 31, you know. Yeah, exactly. There's, you like, can pull any excuse in the book for all this sort of stuff, but if we're just like having to pick something, um, this is what we're talking about. But yeah, I mean, Kyrie, just as a player, I mean, one of the reasons that, you know, I, I think I think what kind of just makes him so great is that he's like one of the best players um, in NBA history in terms of being a guy that does not need a play called for him in yeah. terms of, you know, just getting you a shot. He's one of the best at that. But in tandem with that, he's so good at, you know, like when they run plays for him, if like, you know, off those curl-offs and staggers. And that's why he's such a fascinating player to cover, to see uh, the, the dichotomy between that um, and just how, you know, widely effective he can be used all in all areas offensively, as can Luca. You know, it, it just thinking of it, you know, does make me, you know, start salivating at the mouth. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I'm getting, I've been getting kind of excited all podcasts. No, I can't I, cap. Yeah. The vibes are good. Uh, comparable uh, to some of the, you know, you know, other player profiles we've done um, as well as, you know, the Justin Holiday existential Mavs offseason dread. You know, this is, this is definitely feeling a little, a little more jovial, a little, a little more lighthearted. I, I definitely agree. Uh, I think that definitely wraps that up. And uh, yeah. yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and l- let's move on to our sustainability rating. So one out of 10, uh, do, you, do you want me to explain yeah, you those? Go okay. Um, so one out of 10, of course, one being worse and 10 being great. Uh, I would go with a, we'll go with a nine with Kyrie, because again, I think there is a chance well, where I, I, well, I think there's a chance where, you know, he could possibly, um, you know, go somewhere else this off season. Uh, but again, I'm very likely that, I guess I'm very on the likelihood that he will stay. He will sign with Dallas. Um, and again, I mean, there is that very small scenario. Maybe it just doesn't work out. Uh, and maybe he finds a new home a few years later. Um, but again, I think that's a very unlikely scenario. And I, you know, I'm at the point in especially this podcast where I, I'm feeling pretty good about Kyrie Irving coming back. And uh, I think that's why I'll stick it at a nine. I, I guess let me do my Luca one real quick. I know it's a little late, but I'll okay. go with the 10 with Luca. So, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a, uh... I, I think that I did also uh no, I, I think I went ahead and said a ten for now on Luca and then I yeah, kind of talked about in how future, you know, years that, that could end up changing could, a little could, bit. Yeah, yeah little especially next up. But I said for right now for yeah. a ten, I would be in agreement agreement with you there. Uh for Kyrie, I'm gonna veer away for a little bit from what you said, Jaron. As happy as I've been this podcast and as <laughs> as much as I've been forecasting the encore product that is uh the two man game between Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving and, you know, the excitement of the Mavericks actually potentially uh, writing the wrongs of past off seasons uh, with the blessing down from the basketball gods at this number 10 pick. Um, and, you know, some other things they could do this off season. I, I still, you know, have a bad taste in my mouth from this Jalen Brunson situation. And as volatile as Kyrie's been throughout his career, you know, he's a very, you know, even keel level-headed woke sort of guy. Right. But, and, you know, I, I you know, as much as he loves it here in Dallas, I don't think that I, I think he is the type of guy to, you know, be able to put emotions aside and be like, Oh, like this might be best for me. And, you know, d- you know, do some sort of ploy there. So I, you know, there are, there obviously is some sort of outlying 
uh, fear that he may leave. I'm, I'm not totally neg- you know, negligent of that. I do think that it's at least better than a slight chance. Uh, but I do think, you know, all signs point towards Dallas having, you know, majority rule in this instance. So I'm going to go ahead and say about a 6.8 is my sustainability rating. Okay. That's yeah. a, a, I think that's probably the, the biggest point of margin that we've had yes. this whole entire time. And of yeah. course it comes in the last podcast. So a pro- player profile podcast, yeah. um, you know, We'll go into the surprising stat, and to me, this we one, found this one together, Jim. Yeah, we did find this one together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Look again. I mean, bring this back to the podcast. Bring this back to basketball. I think that this uh, this stat is only indicative of what kind of player Kyrie Irving is. We wanted to find something to highlight how good he was because me and Jaron, you know, some of these uh, surprising stats, we we try to, you know sort of lead a narrative with them right and for a lot of the players we try to like especially like the younger players like we try to find something they can improve upon or like what they could do better uh with Kyrie, it's just like across the board just good 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 even in most of these advanced categories so we ended up landing on his um field goal percentage when he's you know tightly contested is what nba.com would find would define as very tight within zero to two feet essentially when a defender is draped all over you it is only, you know, 6% of the shot selection this past year in terms of his shot diet. Um, but, you know, at the volume that, you know, the scoring that he does within 60 games, you know, comparable to other guys in the league, that is a fairly, you know, solid margin that he may have in, ahead of those guys in terms of the actual amount of data that we can apply in this instance, right? So he ended up having um, a 53%. Um, 53.9, but 53 <laughs> I was intentionally rounding, Jaron, but thank you. 0.9 for both of these, but we're rounding up. So. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jaron. All right, so, yes, Kyrie had a uh, – you know, but now that Jaron's prefaced it, I'm just going to go ahead and say he had a 53% um, field goal percentage in instances where he was, you know, completely tightly contested within zero to two feet. Within zero to two feet, a uh, 55% straight-up uh, – percentage from two point range yes and a i didn't look at the i don't think it had the exact like distance of shots and all that sort of stuff um i wasn't able to find that data but uh just because we were already you know categorizing it by uh how contested these shots are but from three point range with a defender you know tightly contested on him within zero to two feet Kyrie Irving this past uh past season shot as jaron would say 42.9 basically 43 percent from three uh so those are obviously insane figures those are good for uh, wide open shooters uh, yeah, like in, in the NBA or in the NBA, especially that three point pursuit percentage. Um, it, it really does go to show how, how just dynamic he is. I mean, this is a guy that was in the three point contest last year, the the degree of difficulty in some of the shots that he takes and, you know, how he has to sort of will the way to the Maverick. Uh, I mean, will some of these Mavericks offensive possessions um, is it, just wildly impressive to see, especially with all the attention he draws there. I, I really don't know if there's any, other player on the Mavericks, uh, even Luca, that could hit the degree of difficulty of a lot of these Kyrie shots. Now, Luca, I think, has the body type to be able to. I'm not like comparing player wise, you know, not saying that Luca's worse, but he does have the body type and he does have a little bit of a physical advantage to put him in some more advantageous scenarios comparable to Kyrie. Uh, Kyrie, I mean, some of the degree of difficulty on, you know, these heavily contested shots uh, from bigger defenders uh, that, you know, have their wingspan can be. Uh, you know, a lot more uh, effective on, the, yeah. you know, his shot comparable to, you know, a bigger ball handler like Luca. Um, it just that that's the chat. Oh my God. I almost said chat. <laughs> that would have been bad. 
Oh, and I said anyway. So um, if you're listening this far in the podcast, uh, you can go ahead and uh, and relish in that. Uh, but that stat really goes to encapsulate um, just how, you know, the degree of difficulty of Kyrie shots and just how locked in as a score he is. I mean, you, you tend to, you know, imagine if Kyrie was like being spoon fed some of these looks like Reggie Bullock. I mean, he'd be shooting like God knows what from three, but you said 23% for Reggie. No, Reggie. I was talking about like what Kyrie would shoot if he was getting these. I thought that you were making a, Oh no. Yeah, I was, but it was like, like how much better. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I said, now you get the train of thought, but I mean, Kyrie was in the three point contest at one times. I know, uh, I know he's obviously, I would say a little bit of a better pull-up shooter, but all these guys that make these high degree of, you know, pull-up jump shots uh, that are tightly contested. I mean, they're they're always going to be just completely solid when nobody's on them. Um, you know, I, I maybe from three point range that wanes off a little bit, but Kyrie, I think, would still, even if his role in the NBA was to be just a complete just catch and shoot shooter, I think he could easily have molded his game into a Lou Williams style if he like want if he just yeah. wanted to like do that in his yeah. career. If he, yeah, if yeah, because I mean he's that good. If he was just, I, I think maybe he sh- the only reason Kyrie shooting even falls off where it does I, w- I would reckon is honestly just because of game legs you know getting tired later in games things of that nature uh but i mean that I mean, just, just goes a degree of dif- difficult yeah kind yeah. of shots he's taking so yeah comparable to you know the shots that reggie bullock's taking so yeah <laughs> i know exactly but i uh, i mean that just goes to show you know as good as these guys in the nba are how much of a skill gap there can be even between certain players yet if you put reggie bullock against any of us he would completely oh, he would sauce us. Yeah, yes, he would absolutely, absolutely, absolutely <laughs> just demolish us. So that is uh that that's my like little spill for the day. Probably said a little bit too much about the surprising stat, Jaron, but it was so good was and fun. we and we did it together. <laughs> we so, did. We, we, did. we had to really relish in that. But it's been a fun podcast. Uh glad to, you know, really, you know, cover the surface on some of those rumors in terms of the uh whole LeBron saga and get out the uh, player profiles. We're finally done, Jaron. Ready to focus on draft piles. Uh, draft profiles do, do you feel validated at the end of this now Jim? i absolutely do feel validated it took us a long little bit to get yeah, draft- there were a lot of errors <laughs> a lot of a lot of twitter hackings um Shout out to the conversations conversations with elon musk absolutely <laughs> yes on the phone and uh <laughs> and we and we somehow made it here so we did we did make we, it we, here. Can, we can give ourselves a a, a b minus for that <laughs> let's give a little pat on the back we'll give ourselves a b minus maybe a c plus for that but other than that, this has been the Mainstream Mass Podcast. We're excited to turn out more draft content for you guys in the coming days and weeks as we lead up to the draft. It's an exciting time. Maybe a potential LeBron trade. Yes. Who knows? Yeah. One of our next podcasts, we got player profiles coming out for a few players that we'll announce. Uh, we'll get out tomorrow. We're also going to do a podcast based on what the Mavericks can do with the 10th pick, the options that they have. We've want, been wanting to go fully in-depth into that, and then we'll just kind of keep turning things out. But you know, in terms of catching up on news, getting the player profiles done, definitely – um excited to get this one out distribute it to everybody out there and uh you know i every time i talk about Kyrie ad nauseum you know um on a uh an elongated sort of uh segment i i always end up just realizing how much more insane of a basketball player he is would be probably in my summation to the that's podcast. why my sustainability rating was an absolute nine so because over you know this uh 50 possible for we don't know how long this podcast is going on but over this sort of segment, I've realized how amazing Kyrie is. And I always knew that, but yeah, you know, this it really it's always nice to get talked about him. So yes, of course. Uh, but barring that, guys, we appreciate you guys for listening this far on the podcast. Make sure if you haven't already to go follow our new Twitter, 
at mainstream 214 we're uh updating that and getting all this content out on there you can see it everywhere uh, we're going to be trying to follow back a bunch of you guys so make sure to get at us so we can get back to where we were at and hopefully continue to expand and grow forward make sure to follow us on youtube or subscribe rather at mainstream mass podcast you can follow it just literally search it up um you know turn on post noties if you're a real one like that if you want to see everything drop uh we would really appreciate that and comment down below what do you think Kyrie Irving's uh you know biggest offseason expenditure is going to be this season um do you think he may take a you know a, a detox from social media for 3 weeks um is he going to try to aid uh Somali pirates comment it down below he could be doing a wide array of things to try to help the whole world out this season. He's that type of woke individual. Absolutely. I mean, we would, uh, we would welcome him doing so. We would in fact join him when we join. Well, I think we would. I yeah. Think we would. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can look forward to that. Uh, perhaps Kyrie vlogs may come out this summer. If we really um, are, you know, me and Jaron, there's an off chance we pop out to summer league with the, you know, uh, I guess I can say it on the podcast. Cause I don't, I doubt any of them are listening and we're not famous enough, but <laughs> The Papado Emergency Fund. Oh, because wow. uh, me, me and Jaren both work at Papados. For those of you that don't know, if you ever need to catch a to go order, four seven Dallas Parkway, one eight three four nine. Jaren, oh three four nine. My, oh, my fault, my fault. Oh, I, I messed it up. I messed it up. If you guys ever want some free food and you say you're a listener of the Mainstream Mouse Podcast, absolutely, we will hook you up with uh some delicious Papados food. Just make sure to to hit us up first. We we you know if you catch us off guard, it might be a bad time. Uh, but anyways. Um, you know, we, we have, uh, some emergency funds, you know, split up there just perhaps if the off chance happens that we're able to, uh, make it to Vegas for summer league, uh, catch a quick tidbit from Kyrie coming to see the, you know, some of the Mavericks the young players. Yes. yes. Uh, maybe not the number 10 pick. Cause that's an all likelihood probably going to get traded. Uh, but you never know, um, given the situation that could pop up. I think that, that honestly, if I had to guess on the 10th pick, um, are we going to the guessing game right now? No, this is going to be a quick guess for yes. the podcast ends. I think with the 10th pick, while I do think it is going to get traded in some sort of form or fashion, I don't think that they're going to do what they did last year in terms of trading the pick days ahead. I think that they're going to let, you know, evaluate the landscape. And yeah, and I think that they would, it would be a, you know, it would be one of those trades that gets announced like right before the pick happens, like where they trade back, where they make a trade. I, I, I'm feeling a draft day trade. I'm feeling the excitement in the air. That's why you're going to need to follow the mainstream mass Twitch as well. Once we make oh, that, yes, absolutely. that, that is in, that is in the works um but you know if we were able to to get some vlogs going with Kyrie that would that would be a you know best case scenario but you know sometimes we have to uh wander off into happy land you know especially during these off-season podcasts because me and Jaron were doing God's work for you guys we those last few games um <laughs> still talking about it you know uh go on and talk about that for an hour is you know not a pleasant experience and you know you you wouldn't wish that upon other people so you know we we uh we would appreciate your sentiments in terms of letting us, you know, wander off into our imagination sometimes here as we do uh, in these latter segments so of the podcast. Um, but otherwise, um, make sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Um, we're on almost any po- every podcast platform in terms of listening, whether it be Amazon Music, uh, Google Podcasts. You can kind of find us just anywhere. Uh, so with whatever your podcast device as you do in terms of subscribing or following us, make sure to do that and leave a review. Give us a good rating. If you do, if you are a loyal fan of the pod, we'd really appreciate that. That would mean the world to us. Um, other than that, Jaron, I'm trying to think if I have anything else to plug. The TikTok, Jaron. Oh, the TikTok, yes. Jaron, Jaron has been delegated to running the TikTok. He's going to be clipping certain uh, stuff from the YouTube podcast, putting it up there. So 
uh obviously that's that's more of an outreach thing to try to to gain new listeners but we would appreciate if you guys would follow us at mainstream maps on tiktok you can find us there well we have a few we have like two or three videos right now so most of them uh former yeah. games yes yeah, so i think one of them is kind of funny yeah the, one of them is kind of funny. yeah so with the uh me holding the dog in the air with the Kyrie pictures oh, yes. when he got traded that was a funny one so you know we we do appeal to the new generation a little bit of, you know even though i did look at our podcast statistics the other day and the vast majority of them are actually 35 to 44 year old individuals so well, the fact that they appeal to uh some cocky arrogant uh dumbass young individuals like ourselves really uh that you know that 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 definitely captured me, Jared. It makes makes me feel good. It makes my heart very warm. And shout out to all y'all, uh, y'all actually y'all old heads whooped us in uh twenty four the other day. So shout out to y'all. But and they they also <laughs> probably whoop us on our on our maps knowledge. Oh, but absolutely. We just you know they they probably have you know shut off their uh maybe that 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 young sort of hopefulness. Us conversely, we just have uh a fault. There, no, we're not. We have false hope that we can make it. Yes. So well, that's why we're shooting for the stars right now. But uh, we, we do appreciate you guys for listening. This has been the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. A little longer today, but what, what's a podcast if we don't go overboard, Jared? Oh, it's not a Mainstream Mouse Podcast if that's not the case. So. That's right. The only Mavericks podcast that goes above and beyond at any hour. If we're predicting 40 minutes, it's going to be an hour. The, yeah. only ma- the only Mainstream or the, the only, only Mavericks Mavericks that consistently <laughs> goes over. The only Mavs podcast that consistently goes over all the rest of them, probably, I would say, go under more often. Absolutely, way more often. Yeah, yeah. All right, but we will catch you guys in the next one. Bye.